Natural Hair the Movie Podcast, Episode 2. Welcome to Natural Hair the Movie Podcast, where we give you a behind-the-scenes look at creating an independent feature film. From pre-production, production, post-production, marketing, and distribution, our producers share with you tips to getting a film off the ground. This is Natural Hair the Movie Podcast, hosted by Reginald Titus Jr. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another podcast, Natural Hair the Movie Podcast. Thank y'all for tuning in. Today we have special guest London Williams. Um, London Williams, he's a producer on this project. Um, he really came in and helped us out tremendously, uh, especially when it came to um, all of our business acumen, making sure our paperwork was right, um, and just giving us like that consultant eye. Um, on the project. Again, everybody, my name is Reginald Titus Jr. Thank you for tuning in. And the whole point of this podcast is to help you if you're on your journey, you're making your film, and you just need some inspiration and you want to know how we were able to do our project, um, we're here to, to help you out and give you that encouragement. So without further ado, um, London, talk about how you were able, how you got involved with this project and talk a little bit about your background and if you, you know, film school and things of that nature. Okay, I'm going to give you guys the abbreviated version <laughs> or else this will be a 10-hour podcast. I actually got involved in the project uh, right when I finished uh, film school in New York. Went to the Digital Film Academy. It was a great program. One thing I liked about the program is that they taught you everything from pre-production, production all the way to post-production. And you learn, you didn't just learn how to shoot a camera. You learn how to edit. You learn how to uh, do screenwriting. You learn everything about it. So we had classes from directing, editing, screenwriting, After Effects, uh, all the way to uh, doing Pro Tools. So you learn everything. And what they try to tell you is you may not specialize in one of these things that we're teaching you, but we're going to help you find your way and going to help you find your niche. So one thing I realized my niche was was actually being a producer. So after I took the, the producing class, I actually fell in love with it. I'm a, I, I saw the leadership qualities as a, in a producer. And plus, prior to film school, I already had 20-plus years event management experience. I had business experience. So the producing role was actually a natural fit for me. Only thing you had to learn was the lingo. Uh, so once I learned the lingo of the film industry, I was able to apply it um, to the producing job right away. And I actually hit the ground running. Uh, the interesting story about that, I saw a need in all the film students in my class. Uh, I would say at that class at that time, it was probably about 20 to 25 film students. And uh, I didn't want to see them fail. I wanted us all to be successful. So I basically was telling everybody, hey, let's do this. I was motivating people constantly. Let's get our films done. And then there was a small group of us to where they was like, hey, London, do you want you mind producing my film for me? I was like, yeah, no problem. You know, I was just telling people, yeah, no problem. But I said, we got to get the paperwork out the way. So we started doing paperwork in film school. <laughs> I didn't know how legal that was. <laughs> But I was like, okay, let's get the paperwork out the way because one thing I don't want to do, I don't want to be liable for anything that happens on set and it's your project. At that point, I just started producing other, my co colleagues or in film schools uh, projects. So in 20, I would say that year, I'm going to just say that year, <laughs> I produced probably over eight to 10 projects. Uh, eight of those projects was film student projects, people that was actually in my class. 
And then I was lucky enough to meet someone at another film school who actually produced her project as well. And then from that project that I produced for her, she introduced me to somebody that wanted another project produced. So I ended up producing eight in film school, one outside of our school, well, two outside of our school. But uh, with that being said, it was actually a, a feature project, a feature film. So that was my first feature film actually working on in uh, film school. Um it was interesting when they approached me to produce that project. I jumped on board right away. I was like, hey, great, I can do this. But at the same time, I was so ambitious to jump on board. I saw a lot. Of, it was a lot of potholes that I, I did not expect because I was trying to apply everything I learned as an event planner, as a producer and as a promoter to trying to produce a film. OK, some of the potholes that I ran into was people that was already working on the project that didn't have paperwork. So those were some of my challenges. And then uh, just different things. It was either actors that they had already cast before, changing out actors, and trying to get people to come back in to finish the film. So we got that film done probably over a five-month period of just shooting that film. So that's basically my background and how I kind of segued into producing. And now I'm full-fledged ahead just doing it, you know, just out there doing it. Tell the audience. Um, how you got involved with Natural the movie around what, you know, if you remember the year and month, uh, give us just kind of give us uh, your mindset at the time and kind of where you are today working okay. with the movie. Prior to getting involved with Natural the movie, I already knew you as a director. I knew you were doing movies already, and I was always trying to figure out how to get in. But my thing is this, to get in, I wanted to be effective. I didn't want to just be another person that just get involved and don't know what they're doing. I didn't want to be bopping my head. So, Reginald, I hate to say this, but <laughs> I've been following your career. <laughs> so I saw what you were doing. Um, uh, what's the name of the movie you guys did? Uh, it's Complicated. Yeah, it's Complicated. I was actually on set of that one, I believe. The the restaurant scene oh, when uh, we shot in Arlington. That was, uh, why did you leave? Why did you leave? So I was actually, 2009, wow. <laughs> so I was actually on set of that film, Why Did You Leave? Uh, and, you know, I was just basically intrigued. I said, man, this is what I want to do. But at that time in 2009, I was working for a corporation. You know, they had my full attention at that point. And I was looking for, and I was working on my doctorate degree as well. So once I finished my doctorate degree in 2010, I started teaching. Then after that, after my teaching stint, I went to film school. And when, right when I was getting out of film school, uh, I think I talked to AD, and he was telling me what you guys were working on. I said, man, y'all want to get involved. So at that point, we all sat down, and we talked about it. And I just basically told you guys that I wanted to be a person that could bring the business acumen to the table and help you guys get organized. That's one of my things to where I think is my strength, of helping people organize and helping push teams and help people pushing through the end. So I, I saw an opportunity there. You guys Guys, I already had the infrastructure in place. Yeah, I've been working on this film really since 2013, you know what I mean? Uh, so with that being said, I felt like my role was to kind of help you guys get organized. There are some things that I saw as I got involved, and I said, okay, that didn't need to be fixed. But as a producer, you have to know when and where to use your voice. And I knew my voice was going to be stronger by helping everybody get the uh, organization part together. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that we want to talk today about is fear. Okay. And 
a lot of people, especially I would probably say Americans, are fearful of asking for money because they might think that it makes them look bad or that they're begging or something like that. But that's basically an essential skill when you're a producer. I know for us, some of those things came up when we launched our Kickstarter campaign. So can you talk about just like overcoming the fear of asking for money? And then I know you've had to raise money for your various projects. So can you talk about that and help inspire some people? Conquering fear, um, the fear of at the ask. I was always taught that a closed mouth don't get fed. And with that being said, I talked all the time. <laughs> I'm always telling people what I have going on. If it's some people that I don't want to be involved with, I just won't say anything. But if I'm asking, if I'm going for the ask, it's, it's to somebody that you want to have a long-term friendship with, partnership with. And truth be told, being in business together is like being married to a person because you would be talking with them almost every day. Um, so you got to make sure that you choose wisely who you ask for or ask the money for. With that being said, one thing that I did, uh, my film. My student project in film school was called Hidden Ties. When I was working on that project, I decided to say, okay, I can fund this project myself, but one thing that they teach in film school is that you can never be a producer unless you go for the ask. So I just started asking for money. You know, I start. they say start your family and friends first. Start your family and friends first, but those will be the first ones to let you down because, first of all, they're looking at you crazy because they why did you go to film school? You know, they add, they start asking the questions because they're holding down regular jobs. So don't let that discourage you because they're they're always not to say anything negative, but they will always be comfortable in that role until they get fired. One thing you have to do as a producer or a filmmaker, once you become a creative filmmaker, you control your own destiny. You're in charge of your hiring and you are in charge of you being fired because you're always working with clients. You're always working on projects, but you can at least control that space, and customer service is key. So one thing I want to do is motivate everybody to always go for the ask, start with family and friends first, and then if you don't get the response that you're looking for from family or friends, always put yourself in a situation to where you can meet people with the resources to help you, because making a film is not all about money. You can find somebody with a house that say, hey, especially in New York, if you found somebody on a house in New York, you, you were in luck right at that point because that's a location. You've already saved about fifteen dollars to $2,500 uh, $2, for a location for the day uh, just to use someone's house. So don't think about it as just all money. I need cash, cash, cash. Think about things as locations, as resources. Uh, it could be a restaurant. Perfect example, Chef Eddie G. He had a restaurant called uh, Chef Eddie G's Kitchen. He allowed us to film this location. Didn't ask us for anything. But one thing we did do, we made sure we bought food for the crew at his restaurant. Do not walk into someone's restaurant and try to bring in food from the outside into another restaurant. Don't do that. <laughs> so that's the thing to talk about. So Chef Eddie G, want to thank you if you hear this podcast. He allowed us to use his facility, and, but we did do our catering through him. Uh, not only did we do our catering through him on that day, the day we shot, we use them for the next day. So always make sure you pay it back to the people that you're asking resources from. So if I'm asking for clothing, make sure you get, make sure you get someone's, uh, the designer's name in the credits. It's those little things. So the ask do not just have to be cash. The ask could be resources. The ask could be, could you connect me with another person that has this resource? Or the ask could be, hey, I need you to be a co-signer on something. 
It could be bigger than that. It don't have to be cash. It could be somebody as a, a guarantor. Believe it or not, there are a lot of credit cards that I, I burned through. <laughs> I burned through a lot of credit cards. Man, I think when I was up there, I was working on so many projects. I was like, oh, cool. I got to uh, extend my limit. I remember one time on the set, I had to call the bank and say, hey, can I get my limit increased? <laughs> and I was hoping that they did it. And they did. They did do it. They increased my limit while I was sitting on the set because I saw some Issues that were about to happen because there are some things that happen with a, a truck rental, you know, just weird things that happen. Equipment breakdowns, you know, and what if you have to extend to the next day, you got to have that money. You got to have those resources there. But go for the ask, man. Just get it. You know, I, I, I encourage everyone just to ask, ask, ask. Don't stop to ask. But make sure that when you do do the ask, you do the right paperwork and you specify whether you are an investor or if it's a loan, because if it, if you come at them and don't specify how you're taking that money from them, that will be that red flag that uh, pops up later. One of the things that we will talk in depth later on in these episodes is paperwork. Uh, paperwork, paperwork, paperwork. Yes. Um, so just give a little bit of advice on having your paperwork or like some of the misconceptions with paperwork. And we'll dive into that at a later episode. Paperwork. My thing is this. This is the creative business. And one thing creatives usually forget is the paperwork. The reason paperwork is so important because it's basically a guide is paperwork guides you in how to run your business effectively. Not only does it is a guide, it's also a roadmap to the distribution at the end. Because what's going to end up happening is this. If you don't get the right paperwork in place at the beginning, you spend a lot of time trying to chase people down after that to get paperwork signed. It may be an actor uh, or an actress that didn't sign some document, but you never know. They may end up in jail. They may move out of the country. And all of a sudden, you can't get this movie on the air or at the movie theater because they never signed the paperwork. And then your distributor, the first thing they can ask you, they want to see all the paperwork of everybody that's in that, especially the people that's in the film. If they don't see that paperwork of the people of the starring cast, that's the first red flag that they will flag. And then you won't be able to get E&O insurance and all those errors and emissions insurance. There are so many different roadblocks that you can run into. But that's why paperwork is so important. It's more of a guide to show you, to help you in the end when it comes to the distribution channels. But it also helps you protect you legally because... You can be in the middle of showing your film and then somebody's probably not comfortable with a scene and they say, hey, I want you to take that scene out. And it's like that scene probably may be the scene that makes the movie. And if you got that paperwork on them, you can keep it in the scene. But me as a producer, I'm the type of person that where when I do shoot something or if I'm writing something, I want to make sure that I put the best foot forward and make sure everybody shines in the film. I'm not going to be I'm not never going to be that guy to be like, oh, this makes the movie, you know, forget about you. There's always negotiating that can go on with that. They may you may want to pay them a little bit extra. You know, you never know. But at the end of the day, the paperwork is the number one key to protect you in the end. And it's not just contracts on actors. It's contracts on your crew. It's location agreements. It's everything. Because if they don't see those locations, if a location see their image on the screen and they didn't approve it, you can run into those issues. If a crew member steals your footage, you have something to fight them on at that point. So... And that's really what it boils down to is just make sure that you have the appropriate paperwork in place from everything from crew deal memos to cast agreements to uh, location agreements all the way to even when you're purchasing stuff. Uh, just make sure that you keep logs and make sure you 
keeping the appropriate things. Even when it comes to equipment, equipment on set, I'm going to give you guys a perfect example. One of the films that I shot, I would not name this film, but one of the guys said his equipment got broke on my set. It was some equipment that he brought on set, and he said when he hooked it up to the red camera, hold on, maybe we should say that. When he hooked it up to the camera, <laughs> that it messed up his equipment. And I was like, what? How did you hook up your stuff to our thing? And you're telling us our equipment messed up your equipment. And he wanted us to pay for it. And I was like, no. At first, I was like, no. But, of course, he kept submitting. And I said, you know what? That's a small problem to deal with. Let's just pay him and move on. So you got to have... When you renting, when you have a set, when you're running the set and someone else bring their equipment on set, you got to have them sign something if they're going to be using their own equipment. So it's all these little things that, that you have to be aware of uh, that this is all trial and error. The film industry is trial and error. I hate to say this because you never know what could happen on your set. Uh, another thing that happened, uh, I had insurance on all of my sets, everything I shot. On, that's one thing I was strong about, having insurance on set. We had an incident to where somebody that was uh, gaffing the gaffer, they was hanging lights and scraped up the hardwood floors, you know, those type of things. So these type of things happen to where, you know, you got to have your insurance in place to cover those type of things. I appreciate you sharing uh, with us today. Again, everybody, this is the Natural Hair, the movie podcast. Um, London, where can uh, our viewers, our listeners um, where can they find you at? They can actually find me at, uh, the viewers can find me at londonwilliams.com. That's it. All right, y'all. Thank y'all so much for listening in today. Uh, stay in tune next time as we talk to more producers on this project and some of our music people and um, executive producers as well. So thank y'all. This is Natural Hair, the movie, the podcast, and listen soon. Thank you for listening to Natural Hair, the movie podcast. Stay informed by visiting naturalhairthemovie.com. For business inquiries, email us at info at naturalhairthemovie.com. At